Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 18, Episode 17, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to another level at juniorhockeyprospectleague.com. We're happy to bring on Pat Malloy. This is our regular player development segment. We're talking about building NHL players, and in this segment, we're going to talk about one of his clients he's had for the last few years, and Eric Carlson, who's had a resurgent this year, finally, mostly because not that any of his skill set or his hockey sense or any of that dropped off. It was really just because the poor guy just couldn't stay healthy with all of his injuries. And sometimes you re-injure and you all hockey players are hardcore and they always want to come back and they always want to play, sometimes to their own detriment. Um, so, you know, yes, they sometimes are their own worst enemy, but finally we're starting to see Eric Carlson back to being Eric Carlson. Uh, Pat, talk about the time that you have spent with, with Eric over the last, you know, four seasons, almost five seasons, uh, obviously with COVID you know, with some interruption in there and talking about, you know, you have an established player and then them wanting to, not only maintain where they are once they get to a certain age, but also wanting to improve upon that. Cause like, sometimes you look at a player of his stature and go, well, how much better could he possibly get? And there's always room for improvement. Talk about working with a player like that in the development side of the game. Um, a guy, especially obviously who's so highly competitive, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a, you know, uh, sort of a generational type player. I don't think, you know, prior to him coming into the league, it's been a while since you've seen anything quite like him. So, you know, there, there's certainly, we're not, we're not teaching skills and, and, you know, we're not, we're not teaching that guy how to skate. I mean, he's got world-class skill. Um, His skating is, you know, it was sort of what his calling card was. So really with, with that, type of player what we're trying to do is a put him in situations where he finds himself um, in quite frequently but allow him to have to solve problems with the skill he already possesses and it really becomes an application type thing it's it's not hey you know here's how we're going to shoot the puck from now on Um, it's more situational in in nature it's more here are the types of problems we we find ourselves in in games and and put him into those situations and let him figure it out. And, um, you know, I learn as much from him as, as anything. I mean, he's, he's great to be around. And when you, you talk about these types of players, it's, you know, I've mentioned it before, you know, from the give and take perspective, but just watching him, you know, apply his trade is, is something that, you know, is good because, I got an opportunity to say, all right, what ways can I try to incrementally create plans that help him get just that little bit better? And, um, you know, he's obviously having a hell of a season and it's, it's nice to see. It's a, just before uh, Brad jumps in, is this, is he really in the situation where, and you're with him in that, and you've, you've said the term many times is, you know, you know, a, a second saved is a second earned is that really about what eric's game is is to put him in these situations and go okay what's the most efficient way to make 
to work this through and how much time can you save to give you extra time to do these extra things that maybe other people can't do. hundred percent. And I mean, he's a master at, at creating time, you know, with his hockey sense, it obviously is something that's um, he sees the game a step ahead and his skill set is, is, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. Some of the things that he can do at pace. So yeah, it's, it's really putting him in situations where he can start to create time for himself and then watch as he processes that and, and executes at the next level. I mean, this particular summer past, I sort of saw a different side of him and that it was almost like he made the decision and obviously, you know, health plays a role. Let's, let's not kid ourselves, but it, you know, there was sort of a, a renewed focus from him this summer that I had saw, you know, compared to years past where it was almost like he says, you know what, I, I'm going to come out and I'm going to get back to dominating. And and we're seeing that he's, he's got that mindset to drive plays and dictate outcomes. And um, it's, it's, it's great to see because it's, you know, I think he's almost a trendsetter in the way the modern era is, is, you know, viewed defenseman, if you will, is he does a lot of things now that become, you know, what's scouted and what's looked for in the next generation of player and kind of made the undersized defenseman that can dictate terms, um, you know, the, the route to go in terms of new defensemen coming up. So it's uh, it's, you know, it's an honor and a privilege to be around this guy uh, in a training setting because it's, uh, I learn as much from him as, as, as anything. So Pat, with the resurgence, would you accredit that more to the fact that he's more possession driving now? Is there something specific within his skill set you feel that he's tweaked that has also helped with his adjustments that's allowed him to get back to what we used to remember? I think I see just, you know, an assertiveness to, to you know, that's a great way to put it, possession driving. Um, you notice the puck is on his stick a little bit more, obviously, right now, and and he's driving and he's he's drawing people to spots and you know he's making plays that not a lot of guys can see and it's done from a dictation based standpoint. So I think he's just I think he's feeling really good and, and he's moving really well, um, but it, it's it's for sure a thing where he's moving the chess pieces a little bit more than maybe we'd seen in in you know the few previous years. And that he's, you know, attacking the spaces and he's drawing guys out of spot. And, you know, obviously his ability to pass the puck is is extraordinary. And, you know, I've said this before, you know, I've been blessed to, to be around some of the best players in the world. And his fundamental skill set is just, you can't give him a bad pass. You can put it two feet behind him and he's not breaking stride and finds a way to, um, you know, to carry it up the ice and make a great next play. Um you know, that's what's special about, you know, when you think about players that have, you know, the public will get enamored by their skill. For me, it's his fundamentals. It's, you know, understanding when to carry a puck versus when to handle a puck and those sorts of things. And I think what we can agree on is, is he's certainly an exceptional puck carrier um, and maybe not, you know, people think puck handling and puck carrying. Well, those are two distinctly different things. And I don't know that there's many better than him at, at skillfully transporting a puck to a place, you know, and, and recognizing when to handle versus when to carry. Pat, when you're working with Eric Carlson in that respect, you, you find yourself because he's so advanced in a lot of things that do you find that you are actually intentionally trying to push him to another level? Like, Oh, you've solved this, this quickly. Let's find 
like the most difficult situations where so you bear down and find, OK, what are the most difficult situations I can put him in and let's force him to push his processing to the highest level possible so that you're sort of building upon his processing that it becomes autotelic that he's used to now pushing the pace of his decision making. To, and do you think that's really helped him this year as well as just challenging him to go to another level? I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, you guys know about me at this point. I, I'm all about, you know, creating game-like problems so that players can discover game-like solutions. So there won't be anything circusy ever out of the things that that I would do with a player. And so, you know, creating stressful situations. You know, you've got to retrieve and you've got to escape to this point. You'll or you'll do something in a small area setting where you know you you stack the odds against them. You take away you know, first and second best options in terms of outlets and things and let them solve that problem. And, um, you know, two quick shoulder checks and, and, you know, some deception and he's got people moved out of the way and he's, he's sort of reshuffling the deck and succeeding. So hundred percent, I mean, anything that, that I would try to do would certainly be, um, you know, creating a game scenario, but then, you know, within that scenario and that game like problem, um, challenging him then to have to find alternative routes and measures in order to solve it. And um, when you get someone that I, I really believe is, is generational in his mindset or, or, or his ability to, to view the game, uh, you know, it's, it's just a pleasure to watch because you very rarely stump him. Well, we only have about a minute left in this segment. Just quick thoughts on his resurgent. And is there one thing that you've watched in his game this season or two things that you that jump out to you that perhaps were not missing. Just he hadn't. He was just sort of like part of his game hadn't quite got back to what it was prior to that. Based on like the working with him this summer, I just I, I see him attacking again. I see him attacking space. I t- I see him attacking, um, you know the the opposing team. I see him doing things on his terms. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's why you're seeing a resurgence is he's, he's back to dictating outcomes um, and, you know, combination of feeling it, combination of being in a really good place um, mentally and physically. When you combine those things, then you add world-class talent, uh, ability to navigate ice. It's just, it's, to me, it's all about, you know, the attack mindset that I'm seeing out of him, um, which is, is awesome to see. And, and, you know, I think it's good for hockey. Well, certainly, I'm really hoping to to see him, you know, continue this, push this through. And I think he's Norris trophy consideration once again, not surprising based on his production. And we'll see what happens at trade trade deadline as well. Pat, uh, once again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your insight of player development and uh, have a great day and look forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's Pat Malloy, player development and skills coach. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Instat Hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There's no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat Instat's video editing tools. Visit instatsport.com hockey today for more information. Instat, the Institute of Statistics. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back empowered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. So we're happy uh, to bring on Todd Marchant, the Director of Player Development for the San Jose Sharks. Todd, thanks for coming on the show. We always appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, guys. So let's have a quick chat about Philip Bystead. I got a chance to see him play live at the World Juniors, so I just seen him pretty recently. I know you went and had seen him um, in Sweden playing with uh, Ling Xiaoping as well. Thoughts on his play, obviously, in Ling Xiaoping and in Sweden and then at the World Juniors in terms of watching his development and, you know, the progress he's made. I mean, anytime an 18-year-old comes to play at the World Juniors, to me, that makes me take notice, um, 17 even more so. Uh, but because it it really lends itself to having more players with a little bit more experience. Um, but I thought overall, uh, considering I thought Sweden was a little bit flat, I thought he was the one bright spot up front that really was the most consistent player for them. Well, since, you know, taking over this job, we, uh, you know, weren't a part of the development camp this summer. We weren't a part of the draft by the time we got everything settled and, and, and together. So, um, you know, just having Zoom calls and, you know, not really watching some video, but uh, getting a firsthand live viewing of him over in Sweden, I was I was blown away. I mean, here's a kid who's playing in the SHL. He's 18 years old. He's 6'3", 210 pounds. And it looked like it didn't even bother him to be playing in, in the in the biggest league over in Sweden. He was uh, he plays a 200-foot game. He's very responsible, almost too responsible. And when I talked to him um, in between uh, games and the day off, I asked him, he says, well, I'm just, I want to earn the trust of the coach because then I can get more playing time. You know, he says, I started out at like eight, nine minutes and now I'm up to about 12, 13, 14 minutes. And he goes, if I play good defensively, I play more. And I said, well, that's, listen, that's admirable. I, we love that about you. I said, I just think you've got more offense to you. And, um, you know, he's seen a little bit of power play time on the, on the second unit over there. And I mean, he don't get me wrong. He, he's a very, he's a smooth skater, very powerful. He's got, I, I just didn't see it all when I went there in November. And then all of a sudden we saw this player at the world juniors. And it was like, this is like a coming out party for him offensively. He looked more comfortable. He, he handled the puck. Well, he made plays. It wasn't, you know, get it and give it to somebody else. He, he, he jumped into holes and, I mean, right from the first game when he—I I thought he was, he was the best player for for Sweden that in the first game in the tournament. Um, you know, he just took off, and and I thought that that was kind of like I said to him after. I said, you know, this is this is what we this is what I want to see more from you, and because I know you have it. So it was for him uh, as an 18-year-old to be the number one center on Team Sweden and uh, have the success that he did. We are very pleased with where he's at in his development. Todd, when you look at him long term, is it is it uh, more of a factor that 
you want him to realize how good he can actually be because in his draft year, I found there was, there was a passivity to him. I, I felt that that was one of the reasons that he did fall to you in the draft, regardless of the fact he had an excellent toolkit, which you've discussed here. I did, is it for you, is it, is it a factor of really wanting to see him drive possession on the inside, use that toolkit to get in those, those soft areas, but also in the hard areas when he's driving with possession. Is that a big factor of what you saw with you twenties and what you want to see him continue when he gets back to the SHO? Absolutely. There's no question about that. And I, I go back to my, you know, my days with Anaheim and, you know, we had a player that uh, um, William Carlson. Okay. You know, a second round pick and, you know, kind of didn't know where he was going to fit in. We en ended up trading him to Columbus and then he gets going to Vegas and he blossoms because, you know, he got in the right situation. And, and that's kind of what we're I'm, I'm seeing out of Phillip is that, you know, they just take a little bit longer to develop, a little bit longer to feel comfortable in the situations that they're in. And, you know, he's going to have to, you know, he's going to, at some point here, he'll be coming over to North America and he's going to have to learn that style and, you know, on the smaller rink and and, and get into those you know, gritty areas. But I, we've seen glimpses of it. So I, I know it's there. It's just a question of, can we get it out more consistently? And if, when you do, and if you do, then all of a sudden you have the player that, you think you had late, late in the first round, first round. So um, be very patient with him. Uh, he's got a good head on his shoulder. He's still, I, I still like a baby. I mean, you look at him off the ice, it's like he's going to add another 10, 15 pounds to his frame. And um, you know, I, I like to, I like to give players uh, uh, players in the NHL to, to watch and we try and send them, you know, we send them video clips of 10 minute segments of, who I, I think that you could play like. And the player I picked for him was Alexander Barkov. Alexander Barkov is, is a fantastic player, but he does it quietly. So, you know, can Philip do that? Can Philip, you know, be that big, strong two-way center, um, you know, like Barkov is. So um, lots to like about his game and, and it's, he's only every day he's only getting better. Like since we're talking about a couple of Swedes in this first segment, and I've been over to Swede to watch, in the Swedish elite league, how much of it is environment and the size of the ice where players develop certain habits. So the over there, they have just more time and space. So it's, you know, there's less pressure on them. And because they're younger and they're playing with older professional players, they tend to defer. So they get into this habit of, you know, deferring a lot. And then they also have more time and space because of the configuration of the ice. And is that when you get them over to North America, it's just about, breaking those habits and reestablishing new habits based on how things, how different things are in North America. Well, it's a totally different game over there. You watch them, you know, bring the puck up the ice and they don't like what they see. What do they do? They swing back with back. the Fox. Right. And uh, you know, I go again, another player that we had to break uh, in Anaheim was Isaac Lundestrom. Isaac wanted to bring the puck back all the time. And we, and he's gotten that out of his game play and William Carlson said, play that north south game you don't have always have the time to bring it back and and you can't break that while they're there they're playing a system for a team that you know is is trying to to win over there and the only way to get them to break that those habits is to get them over in, in the north american size rink and north american style hockey things happen so much quicker it's much more physical i'm not saying by any means that it's not good hockey over there it, it is and it's for a young different. player, it's a, for a young player, it's actually not a bad thing to have more time and spacing and get that confidence to make those plays. But at some point, as we know, and you watch NHL games every night, I mean, it's 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 tight. The games are tight. The play is tight. Um, you can't make mistakes in certain areas because you're going to pay for it. So, um, 
it's it's one of those things that will will change once he uh, is a full time player over here. Well, it's talking about another Swede player in, in William Eklund, and he has come over to play with, you know, the Barracuda in the American Hockey League. How has that transition been for him? Because I'm always interested to see players in these increments of like 20 games, 20 games, 20 games for in the American Hockey League, particularly for a rookie. And they do that for the first year and then they do that through the second year if they stay the whole second year, depending on the player, just because it gives me a better indication. How, what have you liked through you know, those first 40 games of William Eklund's overall like development? So the one part of, uh, of William's game that we, we wanted to try and get him better at was being a more, more of a shooter. He was a guy that always wanted to always look to pass, always look to pass the video that we saw and my limited viewings of him last year when he was over here. Um, it was always a pass first type player. And, this summer, he spent a lot of time with Jesper Bratt over in uh, the New, New Jersey player and working on his shot and his release. And it, it, it's helped him. I mean, it's his shot is and we're still trying to break those habits of his. But, um, you know, he, he started the season a little slow and then kind of got going rolling a bit. Um, the American Hockey League is a good league, you know, and it's I think tough. It's, it's a lot of people. A lot of players don't think that it's, it's as good as it is. And, you know, he's right now I'm looking, he's got 11 goals, 17 assists, 28 points in 40 games. You know, he's going to, he could finish with over 20 goals as a, as a rookie who's, you know, 20 years old. Those are good numbers yeah, in, very. in that league. And and the best part about his situation, I know that, you know, he's probably not going to agree with this, but, you know, Mike it wants to be patient with these guys. You know, he wants to make sure that they that they're dominating on a nightly basis in the American Hockey League before we put them in the NHL. And those experiences will help them immensely down the road. And and I, I again, it's it's about being patient. You know, I, at some point, I mean, I'm sure that they'll he'll get some time up top. Um, but you know what? Right now he's having success. He's playing well in the American Hockey League and he's continuing to develop. Todd, you discussed the shooting. It's very interesting you bring it up because that was kind of the, the it was almost the Peyton Krebs of, of his year in the sense that he was a primary playmaker. who was incredible with playmaking, but kind of soft with the shot quality, right? Um, but what was interesting in his draft year, uh, all his goal rates, almost all of them were a result of net front deceptive t- style slip goals, you know, using the back of the net, wrapping it around or getting something in tight. Uh, for you, is it with the shot generation, are you looking to see him more dangerous off the rush when he's, when he's moving laterally east west so he can go against the grain and shoot from the slot areas? Or what would you look like to see from him in terms of his uh, shooting metrics and where he shoots and when he shoots? Well, just the last game that I saw from him, he scored two one-timer from the power play down on the bottom of the circle, kind of cross-sized pass through the seam. So um, I think what you said, we want to see all, from every situation. I just want to see him shoot more. It's like I keep going back to my Anaheim days, but, you know, Ryan Getzlaff, unbelievable playmaker, should uh, should have scored 20 goals every season with the shot that he has, but he always wanted to pass the puck. And that's something that we're trying to get to William to do is to think that shot first, even if he shoots the puck and it doesn't go in, maybe it's a rebound goal for his teammate. It still counts. We don't care how it goes in as long as it goes in. So and the other thing about William is that his edges are outstanding. His ability to, um, you know, get in and out of holes and dart through traffic is is second to. I mean, I, I I'm very impressed, and I go back to the players that, you know, we always try and give them players to to watch and to learn from. And I picked Matthew Barzell. I mean, you watch how how low and how strong he is with the puck, and you know, spinning away from from traffic and from a check. 
and and William is, is got some a lot of the same qualities. So um, I, I really were again another player that that we're being patient with. You know, making sure that he's continuing to develop both physically and mentally. Um, you know, at times he can get down on himself a little bit, and you know, it's it's about hey, listen, you know, you can't get that game back. You know, you, you had a bad game, you had a bad shift, whatever. You got to just bury it and you got to move on because you can't let it go into two or three shifts or two or three games because then it's uh, it's counterproductive. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We come back, we'll continue to talk about the San Jose Sharks prospects right after this. Instat Hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There's no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat Instat's video editing tools. Visit instatsport.com slash hockey today for more information. Instat, the Institute of Statistics. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back empowered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're continuing to talk about the San Jose Sharks prospects with their director of player development, Todd Marchant. Want to get your thoughts on Thomas Bordalo? And I found him a really intriguing player coming out of the program. Uh, both Brad and I have talked at length about uh, the challenges of evaluating players in the program. It's a bit of an all-star team from that respect, but I thought he played such a disciplined, mature game. None of it about his game was flashy. Like to me, he looked like it, like he would actually be a better pro than he was a college player or in the program, just because I thought his puck, his puck support, um, recognizing where he needed to be on the ice, his positioning, uh, his stick, I just thought he played a pro style game thoughts on his transition of coming into the, you know, the American hockey league full-time this season. And how has he handled that? Cause it, you know, as we talked before the American league, it's a, it's a tough league to play in. And I think it's underestimated by a lot of players. Yeah. I mean, Thomas, um, not the biggest player um, in, in height wise, um, obviously has good bloodlines. His dad, I played against, I played against his dad, um, Sebastian, but um you know, he's, he got into some games last year in the NHL, um, had some success. I think he's had, he had five assists in eight games. So he had a little taste of it. He's another player that we're trying to be very patient with. Um, he's, he's having a, a good year offensively. He's got 18 goals in 40 games. He has got a, a, a very underrated shot. Um, good one-timer. He's good on the flank on the power play. Um, one area of his game that we're trying to continue to get him to be better at is pushing the pace of the game. He wants to slow things down. And in the way the game is played today, you start slowing it down, you start getting caught from behind. 
Uh, he's got a good stick. He's smart. So I think he's got lots of tools there, and it's just about putting it all together. Um, and the biggest thing for him is just playing with more pace, just pushing north-south, not east-west, um, creating that time and space for yourself. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a barn burner in this league to have success, but you're gonna you're gonna have to have something else, and you got to have that hockey sense, that skill, and that vision. And he has that, um, but that's one area of his game that we're trying to to get him to get better at. You mentioned the the size, Todd. Do you feel that uh, he's starting to understand what he needs to do in order to leverage himself in in the in terms of hard skill, in terms of being able to go into traffic and get underneath guys and strip players off pucks? Is there a is there a tiny bit of a Datsu play quality to him now, where he you feel he is more of a two way a two way player that can really strip pucks at the pro level? Well, he's he's learning that you know that, and that's what's the best part of the American hockey. He's trying having to learn that two hundred foot game and that two way game. And you know, I mean, if if you're playing well in your own zone, you're not spending a lot of time there. You know, you look at the the Bergerons of the world and and those types of players. I mean, why do they have so, so much success offensively? Because they're really good defensively, and it's a hard concept for some players to really understand um, at, at times. Because they think, well, I just got to produce, got to produce, got to produce. Well, you can't produce if you're spending time in your own zone. So you better figure that part of the game out first before you can work on the other part of the game. So, again, he's a, a young player that is is learning the craft in the American League. Um, like I said, he's had you know some success here um, uh, offensively, but he's going to have to continue to round out his game uh, to have success at the next level. Is that so much of just transitioning out of college hockey and that the talent pool compresses? Every time you move up, move up a level and you recognize that every like every player in the top three lines of the American League was the best player on their college team or their junior team. And now you're playing against all those guys. There's no separation in, in that respect, which I think is the shocking part to like for these young players is that there's no easy shift anymore. And, and don't forget you're correct. And don't forget you're playing against men. You yeah. know, you, you know, Thomas is 21 years old. He's having to go into a corner with 30, 30 year olds, sometimes the older than 30, and, and they've played playing pro for 10 years. And it's it's tough, it's hard. But if you're gonna play at the next level, you're gonna be dealing with the same thing. So um again, that, that's I feel like I'm it's like a broken record, but you know, the development process in the American Hockey League is fantastic for young players. And as we said to off air, it's not about you know uh just playing in the NHL, it's about having success. And the, the, the more success you can have in the American League gives you, gives you a chance to have more success in the National Hockey League. Well, I like the fact that in the, depending on the course of the organization and the coaching staff is that they can go out and try things and make mistakes and come back to the bench. And the coach may say something to him, not berate him, but say, OK, see what you're trying to do here or and then back in practice. I see what you're trying to do here. What did you see? Right. And sort of go. So there's a, an opportunity to make mistakes and learn uh, because you can't do that at the NHL level. It's just, it's just, you can't. It's not a development league. Well, well, you can, but then <laughs> you're, you're going to be pulling the puck out of your net uh, more times than not. And, yeah. you, you know, and then the coach is not going to want to play you. And, and that is, you are correct. That's the, that is the, the, the good thing about the American League. And a lot of times you make a mistake in the American League. And let's say three or four out of 10 it ends up in your net where in the national hockey, league it's probably seven or eight, especially when you're turning over against somebody like Connor McDavid or yeah. Austin Matthews or Patrick K or somebody like, you know, those high end players, you can't, you cannot turn the puck over in those, in those critical areas because it's going to be going back the other way. Let's talk about Tristan Robbins, another young player 
who's getting his feet wet in uh, the American League as well, although he hasn't played a lot of games yet, got a couple of games last year. Thoughts on his overall development? Yeah, Tristan, um, you know what? He came in from the Western Hockey League in Saskatoon there. Um, you know, uh, what I like about Tristan's game is he has a really good quick release shot. He has scored some beautiful goals coming down the wing and, you know, firing a shot short side shelf or far side over the pad below the blocker. Um, he's been very good um, on the uh, on the power play. Um, so, I, again, he's another young player um, learning this craft in the American Hockey League, learning the, the size and the physicality of what it takes. And you know what? He's, you know, a stat line right now, he's got nine goals, nine assists, 35 games. Um, you know, looking for him to continue to take that next step. Um, and after they play that first full season, then we want to see what happens when they come back to us, right? You, you, you have them at development camp, they go home. Do they get it? Do they understand that, okay, now I really need to focus on my off-ice training to get bigger and stronger so I can have success? Or do they just say, well, you know, I did okay. I had a good year. I'll have a good year next year. And that really is up to the player. You know, I mean, we can sit here and we can – visit them and we can talk to them and, and be right there next to them all the time. But if they don't want to put the work in, then I, I can't, ha I won't be able to let you have help you have success. And it really comes down to the, the, the player and what they, what motivates them. Uh, and in, in his draft season talk, we loved them. Uh, we, we ranked them at hockey prospect top 20. We, we thought there was so much potential with Tristan. Uh, we still do. Um, I remember him dominating Caden Gooley and Braden Schneider in the corners. That was one of the reasons we loved him small, but extremely effective uh, at, at using his sides. Kind of why I alluded to asking you about Bordelow with his hard skill qualities. Uh, my question for you is, I feel there's a lot of versatility with Tristan more of like a Swiss army knife player. You can put him in a role where he'll thrive if you need him to go in the corners, but he also, as you mentioned, can score, you know, lethal shot. Uh, what, what would you like to see him mold his game into? What would you describe him in terms of long-term projection? Where, what would you like to see him become? I, I like, first of all, I'll touch on, I'd like to see him have some more puck possession time. Um, going back to, we talked about William Eklund and how he's able to create time and space for himself He's got to learn that part of his game. I mean, being a guy who's, you know, 5'10", 180 pounds, you've got to be able to separate yourself some way, whether it's with a, 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 you know, a fake or using your outside speed, whatever it is, to create some more puck possession time. And as far as I agree with you, he is a Swiss Army knife. He can play left wing, play right wing, can play center. He's on your power play, can be on your penalty kill. Um, and ultimately, you know, his role at the next level um, – it could be any one of those things. You know, I, I don't, I, I can't say that I, I, we know exactly yet what it is go, he's going to role. He could play at the next level, but again, it's broken record. That's the beauty of the American hockey league because you can find your game there. I mean um, you know, I, I went into the American league as a scorer and I came out as a checker and, and I was, I was happy with that. And a lot of players have to be, be willing to accept some of those roles too. I always tell players, you want to be a top six player in the American League or a bottom six in the NHL? Because yeah. you may have to adapt. You may have to adapt your game. You may have to change it. You may have to be good on faceoffs. You may have to work at your craft of being a penalty killer or whatever it is, because everybody wants to be the top six guy. But there's only six spots on a team for those spots. And you know the question is: Do you want to? You know, you want to ride on a bus or do you want to ride on a plane? Do you want to make six hundred thousand? You want to make sixty thousand? I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. So. The players that are willing to adapt their game, um, have, you know, move, move on quicker more, more times than not. 
Well, Todd, we want to thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate the insight of your prospects. Good, good luck through the rest of the season and safe travels out there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's Todd Marchant, the Director of Player Development for the San Jose Sharks. Brad and I are going to take a short break, and we'll be back right after this. Instat Hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There is no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat Instat's video editing tools. Visit instatsport.com slash hockey today for more information. Instat, the Institute of Statistics. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back empowered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're now speaking with Bill Armstrong, General Manager of the Arizona Coyotes. We're going to chat about some of the prospects in the system. Bill, thanks for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. It's, it's always good to be on the show. You guys do a great job, and uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. I want to get your thoughts on Logan Cooley. You know, and there's always, I'm always interested to see what happens when a player comes out of the U.S. National Development Program, makes a jump in, into college hockey as a freshman, how they adapt. <clears throat> and then if they had the opportunity to go to the World Juniors like Logan did. And one of the things that really sort of jumped out to me more at the World Juniors, and I know it's a, a small sample size, and I saw him play in eight games but I thought his puck management through the neutral zone uh, was exceptionally good. Um, And it just showed a a very high level of maturity in his game. And then without the puck, I thought his puck support in all three zones was very good. Whether, you know, his team, his linemate had the puck and he would adjust his body and change his speed and change the angle of his stick to be an option or defensively of helping, you know, funnel players into an area where they can get get the puck back i thought those two things you know for a young player every once in a while you see jumps in their development and i thought for logan in this case in the last couple months there's been a significant jump yeah well you know he's you know, he's had a busy you know a busy time since the draft you know he went in and played the summer world juniors uh then right into school training you know plus he did our development camp um, you know, and I think it's a little bit overwhelming when you're going to college your first year, and, you know, you're, you're learning where to go and, and figuring things out. And, you know, you've, you've got to play at a high, high level. And at the same time, you could get your schooling in and then all of a sudden you're at the world junior. So you never know how they're going to deal with that. That's a lot coming at him. Uh, he's done a really good job. Um, and he's got a great team that he plays on there in Minnesota with a great line. And, uh, 
he really responded. I, I agree with you. I think at the World Juniors, he took his, his game as once he got comfortable there, he kind of took it to a new level. And I thought every game he got better and better. And uh, you know, uh, he's he certainly has a great uh, upside to, to produce some offense. And uh, we're excited about his development so far. So, although you hold the GM title, you're an old scout. And, you know, you have, you watch, you know, you watch players closely, obviously going into the draft and then, you know, watch them as they develop. And, and you know, as well as anybody <clears throat> is it's a longer development cycle. And I know the fans and the media are so impatient. They want the players in right away. And yes, Logan, you know, is a top end draft pick and a, and a excellent talent. You know, there are steps along the way that even, you know, the top five overall picks have to take and, you know, I tell other members of the media, you know, going back to school for that second year, that's important. There's, there's lessons that, you know, need to be learned that and consistencies that a player has to have. And it's not just about point production. There's other aspects of the game, because when you get thrown into either the American league or the NHL, you know, it's a dogfight, And especially the NHL, it's not a development league. There's no margin for error. You know, at least in the American league, you can make some mistakes and go back to the bench and there's an opportunity to learn. So for him, um, I would even kind of like to see him, you know, have finish off the year great and then play another year at Minnesota and go back to the world juniors, just dominate again and just be the man for another year. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see what, what, what his path like, especially the second half of the season. You know, I think what we, you know, we, we talk about it all just go game by game and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll approach it when it comes to and uh, see how he does. And, 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 you know, I think also, you know, I've always said this, you know, the GM and, uh, we try to have a partnership with the players and make sure everybody's on the same page. And, uh, you know, we've, you know, we'll, we'll talk at the end of the year and see how that goes and see, you know, what he accomplishes in the rest of the year of college. And uh, we'll sit down and have that talk, but he's uh, certainly a mature young man with a high drive to win. And uh, uh, we've been impressed so far. Do you really listen closely when you have the conversations with a guy like Logan about, you know, how they approach their game, you know, outside of the ice just to prepare themselves, knowing that, you know, obviously, you know, you you played at a pro level, you coached, you know, in the American Hockey League, so you know the development. And then, you know, as a scout, assistant GM, and now GM, is do you listen closely to little cues to have a better indication whether you think mentally and emotionally they're ready to go? Yeah, I think you can see a lot of times in the consistency of their play at the level they're at and are they dominating that level. Um, you know, and like you talked about, the NHL is a different animal. You know, you, you come into the NHL, you're absolutely flying. You score in the first 10 games, but the, the league gets better every 10, you know, and it just it gets ramped up. And sometimes kids get caught where they come out flying, but they can't hold that. And, uh, you know, they get passed. And the next thing you know, their development gets stunted because of the simple fact that they're playing less than 10 minutes in the game. So uh, you certainly want to put your kids in a good situation, but you, you try to have that conversation you know, with your prospects and make sure they're on the same page. And uh, I think a lot of times, you know, their kids, they, 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 they want to get to that next level so bad, but there's a path to go. And, you know, if you can get them there at the right time and, and get them minutes in the NHL, they seem to develop uh, better that way uh, than in survival mode. I want to get your thoughts on, on Connor Geek and some of the things that jumped out to me in this season comparative to last season is I think he is more selfish with, the puck in scoring opportunities than he was last year. And I mean that as a compliment because he recognizes opportunities and he'll just take the shot 
this year comparative to last year. He deferred a little bit more last year. And I like that as a part of his game because he's he'll develop more into a more dual threat of passing and shooting, which makes him far more dangerous and uh, you know, more difficult to predict on what he's going to do. And you have that big body too. If, you know, he gets inside, uh, he's a tough load to, to contain. And then, you know, he's showing that he's got a much better shot this year. Thoughts on that part of his game and development. Well, he, he's a bigger player, you know, somebody that when we drafted, you know, you see the, you know, potential uh, at the end, that's going to take him a little bit longer being a bigger player. Um, so you've got to have some patience when you when you work with the, uh, him and his game and, and see where he can he can take it to bit by bit here. But you know we've uh, over the years when you know each each kid's different, but I've always found with the taller, rangier guys like Tage Thompson, they take a little bit longer um, to kind of come out. And so you've got to have some more patience. And also we drafted you know some of the big guys, and I and I think from over the years, if you just can have some patience and get them little by little growing their game. And I think he's done that. I, I think he's got the ability to, to score and make plays. Probably his greatest asset is, you know, on both sides of the blade coming up the ice, he can make plays and dish to his winger. So um, he certainly doesn't create a lot of plays. Uh, you know, with all young prospects, he's got to work on consistency and continue to, you know, have that consistency and that impact every single game. And that's the hardest thing for him with travel, getting worn down, you know, because uh, we expect it when they get to this level. Um, are you excited for him? Because, you know, the Winnipeg ice are a stacked team. Uh, the expectations are they're, they're going to make a long run. And those are learning opportunities for a guy like Connor, you know, to ha- just to play as many games, like one right after another against really tough competition. And you knowing that he's going to be targeted by not only the top lines, but particularly the top defense, because he's such a big guy, they're going to go after him and try to wear him down. Well, you know, we we love to see our prospects in that pressure situation. We love when they're in the, you know, the finals of the Memorial Cup or of their league, and just in those pressure situations, help them grow. You know, we've always, you know, talked about as an organization that the more we can get our young players in that pressure, the more they'll grow. So we encourage that. We're excited when we see them play on teams that have a chance to win a Memorial Cup or a national championship. You know, that gets us excited because we get to see them under pressure and. Uh, you know, and, and one day with our organization, we're going to be in those pressure moments and we're going to need them to have that experience. So uh, for, for Connor to play on the, the ice there and they're a great franchise and it's uh, they'll be competitive, that it's going to be tough for them, uh, you know, trying to make it out of the West and, and be the, the representative of, you know, of the Western Hockey League from their side. But today they got a chance. Um, they do got a chance. It, it'll be a battle. Does it help you a little bit with, you know, Connor's brother, moving up through the ranks and he was a bit of a slow developer too, but once he got there, found a role in the NHL and has been valuable seeing that, you know, there's some genetic, you know, comparable there to say, okay, look, this is what his brother did. Not exact, but it gives us a bit of a framework to know that it almost forces you as a management group to be even more patient in that respect. Well, anytime, you know, I, I feel like kids that have dads that played at times or, or, brothers that played have an advantage they can see the the right path to go how to train in the summer and you know the the you know the brother or the dad's always talking to them about the, the next step the right step and 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 how to you know operate in in the nhl and it's an art form to do that so he, he certainly has an advantage of having a brother there um that's been through it and slowly made it to the nhl so he does have an advantage that way 
We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio, but we'll be back to talk about the Arizona Coyotes prospects right after these messages. Instat Hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There is no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat Instat's video editing tools. Visit instatsport.com slash hockey today for more information. Instat, the Institute of Statistics. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy, brought to you by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at juniorhockeyprospectleague.com. I'm speaking with Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, about some prospects in in their system. Bill, I want to ask you about Maverick Lamoureux. Uh, thoughts on him? Big monster of a kid at 6'7 and 200 pounds. And, you know, you were a big D-man yourself at 6'5 and over 200 pounds. Thoughts on his development? Because what I find really interesting about him specifically is that he could have the potential of being one of those really excellent insulators for an offensive defenseman, but he moves the puck so well that I think he'd be a really nice partner for one of those guys. And the offensive defense defenseman's going to like him because I think he makes a pretty strong outlet pass in, in that respect. And there's some, he may be one of the more underrated guys that you guys have drafted recently. Well, you know, he's a big man, and he uh, he's got, he had just had some shoulder surgery, so he, he came back from that, and he joined the uh, his team there in Quebec League, Drummondville, um, just a little while ago. So he's had a slow start to his season, but I like the way that he's come in and played. Um, I think he's worked on moving uh, the puck moving and worked on his game and taking a step with his strength and his weight, and uh, he's he's been had a great impact when he's come in the lineup for uh, for Drummondville. So he's uh, he's someone that you know obviously. The bigger guys, I've always said, and I just talked about it before, take a little bit longer. He's a slower burn. So for him, he's going to have a little bit of time to get there. Um, you know, but you're looking at a kid when he does get there, he's, he's probably going to be pushing close to 230 pounds. Uh, and be at 6'6". So he certainly can have a huge impact. And those D are hard to find that can skate, move the puck, and, and add length and size on the, on the back end. So they're they're... they're they're hard to find, and when you do, you you got to dig in. So he's he's certainly not there yet, but he's he certainly made some strides since he's been drafted. Does it remind you a little bit of that defense core that you guys had in St. Louis when you won the Stanley Cup? Lanky, mobile, big defenseman that just got in the way. It was like you know the forwards trying to get through a car wash, as uh, Doug had said. 
Well, it is. I mean, you, you know, the length, you know, has a factor. Um, I, I think the longer you play uh, in the playoffs, um, and, you know, and just the, the amount of uh, space they take up on the ice, it's hard to play against them. So I've always liked that length on D-men. And uh, again, you know, when I was with the Blues, we were able to find that. But like I said, it's tough to find those guys that have that size that can play. Um, but when you can, uh, they, they can have massive impact on your team, especially in the playoffs. How much is that the advantage of him being, he's going to be a big kid uh, in front of that defending larger forwards, particularly in the playoffs when things get greasy. I think the fans sometimes, you know, forget that it's a, just a different animal in the playoffs. And so I know everybody's excited about, you know, the skill and smaller players, but size matters. It's still a big boy league, particularly in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just the way that your team's built. I think it's a, um, I agree with you. It's 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 a hard league in the playoffs with the amount of games just to get through the regular season. I think to be durable sometimes size does help, and I think you know when size in the right areas on an NHL team can be a difference maker uh, down the stretch for sure. Um, but you know, there's also some there's some some players that don't don't have size that have huge impact too. So I think it's just how many you know and, and where you put them in your lineup. Want to get your thoughts on Dylan Gunther and another player who was at the World Juniors that obviously played, you know, he, he, you guys let him go from Arizona to the World Juniors. And um, I'm always curious to which teams do that. I thought it was uh, a great opportunity for him just to go in and dominate in that area and be a clutch performer. And I think obviously, you know, putting up seven goals in seven games and and scoring, you know, a massive goal for for Canada puts him in a situation where um, does that just add some confidence when he comes back into the lineup? Um, I think it's, it's great for young guys to be the man uh, for a little while and then go back into, you know, the NHL and get back into the fold. Gives him a little boost. Well, like, like I was saying before, just about the pressure situations, you couldn't get a bigger pressure situation than playing for team Canada, you know, playing in Halifax and being in overtime for a championship. I mean, that's that's what you want. You want to see your prospects in that moment and see how they they do. And uh, you know, as you can see, when he scored the goal, he was so focused on scoring that goal. Yeah, <laughs> I think he, I think he forgot where he was for a second. But he he's a great kid. Um, you know, it's it's not easy to play in the National Hockey League at his age. Um, you know, and and he's uh, for us to send him there and come back and come back into our lineup and again play well. I just feel that's a feather in his cap and he's going to have a chance to get his confidence and, and, uh, and move forward. And I, I think he'll, that will live for him with him inside him forever. And, and uh, uh, certainly has been a good player for us and uh, continue to get better. How much do you think that helps his confidence in terms of it's something that he can bank knowing that when the chips are on the line and the team really needs a goal and it's a pressure situation, I can deliver because I've done it before. It's like having that habit built into him. How important is that going to be for him as he develops as an NHL player? Because sometimes we forget he's only 19 years of age. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, you know, as you, you know, he's learned this year in the NHL, there's less time and space to, to get the shot off. And it's a little bit of a transition coming from junior. And uh, I think that was probably the biggest surprise that he had. You know, if you watched him in practice, goaltenders have a hard time catching up to him with his release. And he's, um, he's, he's pretty dynamic. And it just hasn't, you know, the speed, it's, it's, it's hard at the NHL. And as you're playing game after game, you get worn down. So I think for him, he's just, you know, uh, being a young player, he's trying to catch up to the game. And I think when he went to play for Team Canada, 
um, you know, confidence comes from a source and he'll, he'll always have that. Remember that. And he can always dwell on that, which will help him get through the tough times when you, when you forget how to score at times, but he's, uh, he's certainly somebody that's, uh, has that ability to score and has pretty much done it all through youth hockey and junior. And, and now he's doing the NHL. What are some of the things that you'd like to see him continue to improve upon as a 19 year old in the NHL? It's a tough ask to have him there. And, but he's you know, played very well for a 19 year, year old. Are there a couple of things that you would like to see him just get a little bit more consistent at as you know, the games get ramped up, pushing through to towards the end of the season? Well, the, the biggest thing all, all, with most of the prospects is just the strength, right? You know, they're, they haven't gotten into that manhood yet. And, you know, that's the hardest part is you're going out every day, you know, competing against guys that are, you know, 27 to 35 that are men, you know, and uh, he's, he's got to continue to work on his strength and his speed and just continue to grow in the summer. It'll be a massive summer for him this year uh, to make sure that he's, diet, you know, dive into the diet and the training and pushing that envelope to come back and, and take another step next year. And, you know, I think sometimes NHL players, when they first come in the first year, they uh, they, they, they go home in the summer and they take a deep breath. Of, oh, I made it. And they come back and then they struggle in their second year. And, and, you know, that's what we try to encourage our guys to say, it's probably going to be tough for the second year. You're going to have to train harder in this summer than you ever have. So um, he's going to have that fight for himself. And uh, he'll have to go back in the summer and take some steps. And, uh, you know, for him, it's just a strength factor and uh, getting you know bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, how much work have you guys done with him off ice to just to ensure that, you know, he's has proper, you know, he's living with the right people. He has proper nutrition. There's consistent habits off the ice. Cause you know, how many times have we've had the discussion where it's the off ice stuff that can derail you faster than what's happening on the ice. Well, I, I like our group in Arizona with, with our, our leaders, you know, the chickens of the world, the Kellers and the fishes. And, you know, those guys have done a great job of bringing, uh, those guys in Lawson Krauss, uh, bringing those guys into the mix and, and helping them develop right. Uh, but we've got nutritionists that work with the kids, make sure they get the right food, you know, uh, all day long into their bodies to be at the best that they can. But, you know, it, it takes a it takes a little while for them to adjust to be a pro. There's a difference between junior and, and, and the NHL. Um, there's another, another level of professionalism. Uh, so that takes a little bit of time for them to, to grasp. But I think with the right people around them, um, you, you, you can help him take a step every year. It, it, was it a bit of a surprise to him that how critically important nutrition was and how much critically important rest was? Like, you know, with the younger kids, they kind of like, oh, I can just, you know, I can cheat here, I can cheat there, I can maybe stay up a little bit later, you know, on my uh, computer or my iPhone, and they quickly can realize that they just can't afford to do that anymore. Yeah, you know, every, every prospect has their battle, whether it's weight and strength, it's eating properly, getting proper sleep. Everybody has their, their little battle. I think what we try to do from the moment that we draft them um, is educate them about all the stuff, you know, teaching them about sleep patterns, teaching them about eating at the proper time and what to eat. Um, you know, I think probably uh, one of the things that fans don't know about our organization is we're big into the sports science. Um, we push the envelope. We have guys that come in and test your body, tell you when to eat, what, you know, what to eat, and to get the most amount of energy at game time. So it takes a little bit of time because there's a lot coming out of our prospects, especially if they're living and uh, playing for the, the big club uh, to absorb everything in, in one year. Uh, but slowly over time, uh, you know, you get that professionalism and you get them to grow 
uh, little by little and understanding what to eat and, and, and all the little things that go around, all the little details that make a great NHL player. Well, Bill, thank you very much for coming on our show. We really appreciate it. Safe travels and hope to see you soon. Thanks very much, James. Great seeing you. Take care. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Reel. We'll be back right after these messages. Instat Hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There is no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat's video editing tools. Visit instatsport.com slash hockey today for more information. Instat, the Institute of Statistics. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with not Brad Allen because he had to run off. Um, brought to you by Junior Hockey Prospect League, Western Canada's newest development stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to another level at juniorhockeyprospectleague.com. We're speaking with Jason Bukla, who is attending the CHL Top Prospects game. I got snowed in, so I'm not getting out anywhere. Uh, so thankfully, one of us gets to see it live. Jason, one of the interesting things about this game that I've seen since 2000, and I've, I've probably attended 90% of them at, since that time, I always like to ask the NHL guys, you know, from a variety of different positions, their thoughts on the game itself. And you being a, you know, a former director of amateur scouting, from your perspective, what are the pros and cons of the CHL top prospects game from a scouting perspective and building towards the draft? Well, the pros are obviously, you know, you're going to see a kid that uh, jumps out at you that uh, takes advantage of his opportunity on a, on a bigger stage. Um, and maybe he does some things that you thought he could do, but now you really understand that he can do it uh, amongst his uh, top peer group. Um, of course, the challenge after that chain is carrying it on to back to his club team. And, you know, he, he shows us something here and, and we're intrigued. So now he set the bar and, and he's got to continue on with that. Um, the con or the downside is, you know, everybody's here, um, including some general managers and uh, even some scouts on the pro side. And, Sometimes they only get one opportunity, maybe two, to see a prospect in season. And if a kid jumps off the page at an event like this, it uh, it can be a little bit challenging to uh, talk them down off the ledge come meetings where they absolutely <laughs> love the player and they, they don't understand it's a body of work. It's not just one or two games. So that can be a challenge sometimes for sure. Well, one of the interesting things that I always find, and honestly, your con is been told to me so many times obviously a theme develops where like you're just telling your 
assistant general managers who don't see player these players very often and your GM, like just calm down from that standpoint. One of the pros that I always find really interesting is I try to look for adaptability because players are playing it, you know, obviously not with their line mates. They're in many cases playing out of position, uh, especially at the forward group. So I always, I'm always curious to see how adaptable they are and then what their situational awareness is and how that happens because it's not the same type of game it was in the late 90s and early 2000s where it really was just a game. And now it's become much a little bit more of an all-star game where there is some checking and some hitting, some fights in this, but it's not at the same level as it was that, you know, U of I saw in like say 2003 when we had, you know, a couple dust-ups and it was like a brouhaha of the best draft class probably in a, in a generation. Um, thoughts about what you look for in this game specifically out of players, just sort of like give yourself a snapshot and see if that, you know, what, what it was prior to this game and does it continue on after this game? Yeah, I think you just brought up a really important point and that is exactly, you know, you might be playing out of position, um, you know, do they simplify the game in, in, uh, on a night like, like tomorrow night's going to be, uh, do they get after the, the, the puck more on the four check where they've been more of a transporter with the puck offensively. If you're a four, like, you know, just some guys in this game, obviously, you know, outside of Bedard that are puck carriers that like to have the puck on their stick. And, but there's only one puck out there. So they're all going to have to make some adjustments. So you're looking at a little bit more of that uh, interior game and a little bit of a board battle from a guy that you maybe otherwise don't see as much of that out, out of him uh, in regular season. Um, you want to see that because when you get to the NHL, um, as you know, there's no easy ice um, and there's going to have to be a lot more battle involved. So can he set the tone um, in a game like this and make some adjustments? Um, goaltending is always one that, that stands out for me in a game like this. It can be, um, you know, very challenging for the goaltender because you just pointed out something that's important and that is that it's become, um, it's gone from a really challenging, um, almost playoff type game back, like that 2003 game that you referenced uh, for people on this uh, show who uh, can remember that game. Uh, you know, a couple of fights, some big names in that one, and uh, it, it felt like a playoff game. You know, it was it was that intense. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how tomorrow night goes, but generally speaking, it's made life tough on goaltenders, hasn't it, because of that free-flowing type of style that this game has become. So for a goalie who comes in halfway through, let's see how he perseveres, um, how he tracks the game, how he makes saves, and how he makes big saves. Um, there's a lot going on, uh, but the details, the, the one thing that I take away from this is the small details in the game. So um, things like uh, defenseman tracks back, gets a puck off a dumping, you know, how accurate is his outlet? How quickly is his read and react game? Um, if he gaps up and it's not a physical one, um, is he taking away time and space with his reach? Um, so all these little small details are what scouts are looking for that to the naked eye might not uh, be something that somebody, a, a viewer on TV or watching the highlights might be looking at. When you're talking about the goaltender specifically, you know, some goaltenders play a very structured game and they don't try, tend to get out of that where it's like, just throw caution to the wind and we're just going to make a save in a game. That's a little bit more chaotic uh, than normal and much more of a bit of a, like a freelance in terms of offense and the goaltenders tend to get a lot of scoring chances against them. Do you look for goaltenders that'll just in their mind, I'm just going to make the save and it may be out of my normal structure, but I got to make a save. And some goalies are willing to do that and other goalies are not. I'm always curious to see which ones do that. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, increased composure in a game like this and tracking and getting yourself in the proper position to make your initial stop is obviously very important. But after that, yeah, their desperation mode, if you will, their second or third stop, um, you know, their athleticism is challenged at that point, right? Uh, you know, you got some big guys like uh, the Bjornsson kid uh, from Brandon, right. a big body. And, um, you know, how's his crease uh, composure, his positioning going to be in a game like this? And does he make some adjustments? You know, when you're big like that, you can afford to play a little bit deeper to your goal line um, and keep, you know, the play in front of you a little bit more, not have to track from side to side from the top of your crease, which is more difficult. You know how it is, Shane, like if bucks fell to your side, no matter how big you are, the top of your crease or, or beyond, it's harder to get to that back post because you have to travel so far to make that second save. So I'm always interested to see how uh, how some of these goalies position themselves and react to what's going on in front of them. I'm always intrigued by the defensemen in this game because it's more offensive oriented and higher paced and everybody's trying to make this great play. I think the defensemen can get hung out to dry. And I'm always curious about when the first defenseman comes back to retrieve and looks and, and looks for options. What does that second defenseman do? Like, how smart are they in terms of their positioning and their puck support, knowing that the other forwards are just hell-bent for leather? They're just like, we're going out to produce points and make plays, and maybe more so in comparative to what they do in their home rink where their game's a little bit more structured. So I always look for how do you help your pair in that respect? Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting because – if you're the defenseman, uh, you know, a puck gets chipped into your corner and you're the uh, the the weak side D, you better get down and, and get a read on that where he has an outlet option, not just the, the option to chip it back up the same side that it came from. You got to be on your horse and get down below and make yourself an option. Even on a D to D reverse situation, like you can never stop moving. The, fa- the faster the games get, you, you can't take a stride off because you have to make yourself available two ways. Obviously, for an outlet, but uh, again, if the puck gets turned over, now you got to be defending, and you can't be late in the area to either accept an outlet, be an option on the outlet, or defend uh, off a turnover. So uh, the game will be probably thirty percent faster than uh, what they're used to in season, and and that definitely poses a challenge for the defenseman, and and that affects your gaps too, right? Like you, you know how yeah. much space you're going to take away on your. Uh, on your blue line, how aggressive you're going to be to take away time and space. Because if you take it away aggressively, then they're surely going to probably look to chip it past you with speed. And again, that puts a lot of pressure on your D partner. They better be on the job. Yeah. I'm always intrigued as well. When the defense is when the puck scrambles around the goaltender, I'm curious to see who's like the angriest. Cause you don't have to be the biggest, but I want to see who's the most angry in terms of I'm not allowing you guys these all-star forwards to come around my net and score goals while I'm on the ice. So I'm always like, I like to see who is willing to like really battle in hard and maybe push it to the limit when it comes to those kind of front net battles. I like it too. I'm I'm on, I'm totally on board with that, you know, like, and it helps out your goaltender, you know, they appreciate that and yeah. like this, but um, you're, you're absolutely on to something there because, you know, it might not be a physical uh, battle. Where where I, when I'm watching defensemen uh, defend scramble scenarios on front or crease, one of the biggest things that uh, young younger players tend to do is they tend to attack high on the body of your opponent. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to right. push back up. Instead up of attacking the hands. 
yeah, you got to get under the stick. You got to get leverage down low because that's where it's going to be at the next level. Like you don't have, a, you don't have a hope in hell to to challenge an NHL forward up high and think you're going to knock him off a play. That's not how it works. You're going to have to have lower body leverage, active stick, get under the stick, make the play on the puck. So that takes a lot of tenacity to get that done. And you know what else it takes? It takes hockey IQ. You got to position yourself right, and you got to think: How am I going to get this done? And how am I going to get it done quickly? So. Those are those uh, little details that you look for in a game like this. Well, Jason, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show again. Great insight on the CHL Top Prospects game. Enjoy the game, and hopefully it's a barn burner. Yeah, I'm sure it will be, Shane. Look forward to talking to you. Thanks, pal. Thanks a lot. This is Jason Buchla from Sportsnet. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Instat Hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There is no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat stats video editing tools visit instatsport.com slash hockey today for more information instat the institute of statistics the junior prospect hockey league is western canada's newest elite developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level the jphl features professional coaches and skill development coaches along with comprehensive practice game and academic schedule allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs to learn more and see why the jphl is the ideal choice for your student athlete and family visit juniorprospectshockeyleague.com Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy. Brought to you by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental mental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at juniorhockeyprospectleague.com. We're now going to bring on Mark Cronowit, Executive Director for Silent Ice, to not only introduce them as a sponsor, but talk about the evolution of development when it comes to players. And now in our program, we generally talk about kids that are draft eligible at the NHL level and then beyond. We're really looking at from ages 13 to 18 in that specific age grouping, because I really think that's where we're going to have the greatest impact in terms of not only retention, but once the players go through the stream and then go on to play whatever level hockey they do as adults, and then they circle back into back into the hockey community. I think our biggest issues are at between a 13 and 18 year old age, and then bringing them back into the fold as adults from my standpoint. So Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show and really looking forward to the conversations we have uh, through the rest of this season. Thanks for having me, Shane. It's been a while since we've uh, worked together and uh, really looking forward to doing this series with you and how people are changing the game. Well, this is exactly what I want to get into uh, this conversation with you originally, just to introduce to our listeners. So looking at what, let's just do a little bit of back history. So you've been in the hockey industry for 30 years. Uh, We've known each other since 2002. So we're looking at, you know, 20 years. 
So that's it's been a long time, and we've seen a lot of things change in the hockey industry. Give our listeners a little background on your history in the hockey industry so they can sort of familiarize self to where we're going to go with these segments. Well, I appreciate that, Shane, and uh, thank you for the introduction. I, maybe it's not 30 years. It's probably closer to 47 years uh, when me and my three brothers started playing hockey. And, you know, it kind of fast forward to uh, coming out of high school, and I had this great passion for the game of hockey and uh, decided to go to the University of Alberta, and I have a sport administration degree. And one of the great things that I got to experience was I got to do an internship at Hockey Canada in 1993. Uh, back then, uh, Tom Rennie and Danny Dubé were – had co-coaches for our full-time national team. Uh, Ron Robinson was the president of Hockey Canada, and this is pre-CHA merger. And I guess it was the first time I really got to experience the politics of hockey. Uh, Some people may or may not remember, uh, Alan Eagleson had gotten himself in some trouble. Uh, He used to be the controller of Hockey Canada. And even in 1993 at the World Championships in Munich, which was coached by Mike Keenan and Roger Nielsen, uh, uh, Alan Eagleson was somehow still allowed to go there. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where I first saw uh, how the game of hockey and politics kind of worked. Uh, I spent the next uh, 20 years of my life uh, either as a player, as a coach at all different levels, whether it was youth hockey, uh, junior, junior A hockey, and uh, had the pleasure of playing uh, 12 years for the Stony Plain Eagles uh, senior AAA team. We won Allen Cup back in 1999. So for my passion for the game and a lot of the Hockey Canada uh, driven type programs, that's what I grew up around. But uh, there came an inflection point for me personally uh, back in 2015, 2016, where I, I started to recognize that certain things as it related to choices that families wanted or alternative choices that uh, athletes wanted were limited by what I call border-based hockey. And as most people are aware, in jurisdictions like Hockey Alberta, you play where you sleep, you have one choice, uh, you can go through your minor hockey system, uh, you really cannot move. And in itself, that lack of competition creates its own problems. Uh, we recognize that Hockey Canada has experienced a lot of challenges in the last year, but I saw this happening way before mm-hmm. then. Uh, to be fair, uh, I have a strong belief that when people are, uh, don't have competition and there aren't alternative choices, then what, what voices a parent really have if they disagree with a policy, a coach, or something that's happened inside the game? So for us as a group, uh, I was lucky enough, I worked really closely uh, with Dan and Lindsay LeCalt, and we started Silent Ice. And as part of that, we started a league called the Hockey Super League. And the Hockey Super League was intended to be an independent alternative outside of the traditional minor hockey system for elite athletes to develop in a more consistent and progressive manner. Now, if you look at over the period of time, we started off with a group of athletes that are actually, some of them are currently playing in the Western Hockey League. So our first group of athletes, uh, we had a few 2006s, we had a chunk of 2007s and a 2008 team. And we started off with just one team, Shane, and uh, to try and prove out this model. And uh, we had the pleasure, we had Captain Canada, Ryan Smith is also one of the other executive directors that I work with at Silent Ice. So the four of us put this plan together to kind of go outside the system. And what's really interesting about that first year team, which had uh, 2006, 2007, a couple 2008 players, over 10 of those athletes are either uh, drafted by the Western Hockey League. Uh, we have multiple players playing in the Western Hockey League. Uh, Braden Coots was one of our uh, original first players, I actually got an assist for Seattle the other night. 
we have Simon Loveson, who started off in our program as a nine-year-old. Uh, he currently plays for the Spruce Grove Junior A Saints and uh, signed a standard player agreement with uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds. He's actually had a chance to play a couple of games. And you know, for our athletes that kind of grew up in the hockey super league, you know, starting with one team, it went to nine teams, uh, 34 teams, 65 teams, and over six seasons has grown to over hundred teams in Alberta and BC. Uh, the primary focus was on athletes between the ages of eight and 14. And what we found was, is that as those players, specifically the 2005s and 2006s, which are our first group of athletes that had gone through this new model of playing borderless hockey, meaning parents could um, choose uh, where they wanted to play. It didn't matter where you lived. And if you didn't like the program, you could leave. Uh, it's not like uh, if you have, if you want to have choices, we wanted to provide those choices to parents. So uh, obviously we must have hit a chord with a lot of families, uh, almost 2000 athletes now. And most of the top young athletes and top players in Western Canada now play in the hockey super league. So here comes the transition point. Uh, athletes then, as it got into the what you described as that prospects thing, as they move through into the WHL draft, uh, whether it's playing in the AJHL or the BCHL, um, and then through into the NHL draft, uh, we needed to find that bridge for our athletes to transition from the hockey super league. So essentially our development league, which has over 2000 athletes rolling up, uh, we wanted to provide something. That's when we created the junior prospects hockey league this year. Uh, what's fundamentally different about the Junior Prospects Hockey League, it's a hub-based model that's actually controlled at a league level. So all the hubs, there's eight of them, are actually managed and controlled by one central entity. Uh, what this allows us to do is create uh, uh, more, uh, a better development model, something that's more consistent. We try and set league standards that all hubs can aspire to. And it's been, it's been a great success. Uh, we currently have 20 teams playing in it. Uh, you know, over a half dozen players uh, that are Western Hockey League, either draft picks or, or, or lists. And uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just been a phenomenal year for those athletes. Uh, finally, we're starting to get some of the recognition. The scouts are there. Uh, we have some really top, top end prospects that are, you know, it's interesting. They're outside the system. And, uh, you know, it's been really successful so far this year. Uh, has there been uh, much attention from the NCAA college ranks in the United States? Because they're they're borderless as well in terms of who they can recruit out of Canada. So it doesn't matter. Is that something that's beginning to to make a, a bridge and a jump as well? I, I, I think the bridge actually happens as those athletes move from the Junior Prospects Hockey League into the Junior A League. But I think what's going to probably happen or evolve over the next couple of years is you are going to see some more of those scouts and that traffic kind of moving towards. We see players committing earlier and earlier now, 15 and 16-year-olds now committing to NCAA hockey. And uh, when we look at the level of play and we compare it to, let's say, to the Alberta Elite Hockey League or the CSSHL, you know, we believe that we're right in there and at par with those leagues. Uh, unfortunately, they'll never give us the opportunity to play them and, and demonstrate that. But uh, what we're seeing is we're seeing some of our top athletes that are transitioning into those higher levels. Uh, I would use an example like Brace Pickford, who's in Seattle this year. He's a 16-year-old defense and uh, he's got five goals, 10 assists. I think he's going to be a top, top-end uh, NHL prospect. 
uh, next year. And uh, he came through that independent hockey system of, you know, he played independent hockey since he was eight years old, uh, kind of transitioned through Shane. And he didn't actually didn't have the choice. He didn't have the junior prospects hockey league. So he actually migrated back to minor hockey on year and out. A player like that didn't ex- get exposed to the NCAA. Uh, so uh, absolutely, it's on our radar. Uh, right now, a lot of our athletes are aspiring to actually play major junior. But, uh, you know, again, going back to the example of Simon Loveson, who I spoke about, Simon uh, had to make a decision. He's actually playing for the Spruce Grove Saints this year, but he actually chose to go to the West, towards the Western Hockey League. So I would see that changing over the next couple of years as we start to evolve and get more exposure with those type of leagues like the NCAA. Well, for me, I think it's it, it sets a precedent as well for what you stated in your initial you know, statement is that choices for the parents, choices for the players. So if they want to go the Western Hockey League route, great. If you want to go to the NCAA college route in the United States, that's great. And you and the parents and the players have options and your group is supportive of whatever direction they want to go in, you know, and helping them in terms of their educational needs to prepare them to ensure that, you know, they're eligible for college hockey in the United States as well, which is, I think, the primary point of, you know, you know, this discussion as well is for parents and and the athletes to have choices and not be bound by a rigid system. But Mark, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to speaking to you next week. We can continue this conversation. So uh, stay safe and, and look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, thanks Shane. Really look forward to uh, sharing with you and your, and, and your audience, you know, how the game is changing, you know, uh, how players and especially elite players are developing is really uh, is very progressive. And, and I look forward to having more of these conversations with you. Thanks Shane. We're going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio, but we'll be back right after these messages. Instat hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There is no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat instats video editing tools visit instatsport.com slash hockey today for more information instat the institute of statistics the junior prospect hockey league is western canada's newest elite developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level the jphl features professional coaches and skill development coaches along with comprehensive practice game and academic schedule allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs to learn more and see why the jphl is the ideal choice for your student athlete and family visit juniorprospectshockeyleague.com Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio, powered by Junior Hockey Prospect League, Western Canada's newest development stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to another level at Junior Hockey prospectleague.com. We're speaking with Patrick Williams. This is our AHL segment. Uh, we're going to go around the American Hockey League like we do every season. Patrick, thanks for coming on the show again. We always appreciate it. 
Great. Thanks for having me. Good to be back again. Let's uh, talk about Abbotsford and the massive changes that have happened uh, with this franchise. Obviously, Jeremy Colton coming in as a new head coach and then, uh, you know, a different group of player development coaches, people that working in player development. Obviously, the twins are involved and Michael Samuelson and Mike Commissarek. Um, from that, you know, just to name a few, actually they brought in quite a few people thoughts on what you've seen so far with this franchise, just in the first sort of 40 games, because it really is a change of strategy and personnel and environment. And that always takes time for that to sort of unfold to see what actually is going to transpire and whether it's going to be a real positive for the entire, you know, not only like, the organization at the American league, but how that impacts the NHL team as well. Yeah. Well, you know, so there had been some, you know, by AHL standards, pretty uh, significant longevity there for Trent call. He had been there five years going back to the time in Utica first year in habits for last season. So, you know, you hadn't had, you know, much of a change. Uh, so you had that same voice there for a long time and um, you know, not anything related to call himself, but just, you know, now you get a new, new voice in there, uh, new perspective, uh, somebody that, that came in with four years of uh, NHL head coaching experience with the Blackhawks, but, you know, still on the young side. I mean, you know, sometimes I forget that, that about Colt and that, you know, he had such a short tenure in Rockford before he went up uh, that in some ways, you know, he's readjusting to the American League now, right? Like in two very different leagues in some ways for coaches. Uh, so he's, he's getting back, you know, to the AHL way of coaching and, um, they put together a good group for him this year. Like they gave him a good base of veterans, I think, to start with. Um, so you're you're pretty secure that way. You know that um, you'll have that stability, if nothing else. That uh, you know you can count on some of the veterans, especially early on in the year, to do some of that heavy lifting and get the younger players through some of those difficult times. So, um, but it's definitely, I think, changes the operative word in Abbotsford right now. Thoughts on, you know, Carlton going back to the American League and how that's going to impact, you know, the potential. There's not a lot of prospects in the American American League for Abbotsford. There's only a couple there, but, you know, that him getting a chance to come back to the American League and look at it from a development standpoint and really, you know, the organization at the NHL level is really focusing on whatever prospects they have. They got to get them to the NHL because it's a really thin farm system. Well, that's the thing, like, you know, the stakes become that much higher uh, when you, you know, you do have a little bit of a, a downturn in your, your your prospect cycle. And, you know, so there is that pressure to, to get those guys uh, up to Vancouver and get them in a really good place, right? So you have somebody like Vasily Pakulzin, uh, you know, who had a pretty good year last year in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Found, found himself off to a really tough start this season, ends up coming down at the end of November. So you have to work, start working through with him. And, you know, that's always an adjustment period uh, for, for a player, right? Like I was actually talking to Milwaukee's head coach, Carl Taylor. We were talking about Phil Tomasino, somewhat of the same situation, uh, except his was a training camp where, you know, the player sort of thinks that they're an established NHL player at that point. All of a sudden they find themselves in the AHL. And so how do you, how do you help the player through that, that adjustment period that, that, you know, it's definitely a career setback, um, you know, to get them through that. And then the next step of that is actually getting them to do what you need them to do. So they can get back to the NHL but and stay there first yeah. and stay yeah. there. But first there's just sort of that, that emotional uh, aftershock 
that you have to get through as a player and a coach. Right. That's where having a good coach really at the American League level really pays off. So uh, they were able to get him through that, uh, put him in a good situation, got him top line minutes. So, you know, a young player like that, for example, is, uh, you know, one of the real jewels of that system right now. And like you said, there isn't a, a ton in the way of young prospects. Uh, but what they do have there, I think there is definitely uh, some good potential. You know, let's talk about as well. I want to get your thoughts on what's happening with Bakersfield because that's another organization. Obviously, it's Edmonton's farm system, and they need to produce as many prospects as they can. One, you know, it's a twofold. One, they want to be able to keep that push from below and start adding some more additional skill to come up into the in the Oilers system. But also, you know, it's also trading fodder. Because every time we get to, like, as we're marching towards a trade deadline, you know, it's can you make our players better? Because they become more attractive if we, you know, potentially have to use them to try to win now. And when you got, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle and those type of players in Edmonton, they're in win now mode. So what are your thoughts on that franchise and what's been happening, you know, particularly with their prospects and that sort of development with their coaching staff and their player development? Well, you know, it's interesting, right? So, like, you know, when they went into Bakersfield, you know, it took a couple of years, but to kind of even get their footing there. But uh, so when Jay Woodcroft came in 2018, it's really when that, that whole farm system started to take off, right? Like, and yeah. they produced a number of players who've come up through there, Ryan McLeod, uh, Stuart Skinner, um, uh, you know, Dylan Holloway came through there, right? Like, like both players that, you know, you expected to come through and make it. And also maybe a few guys that were question marks right now, obviously like <laughs> Skinner's become like a great success story there, for example. Uh, but now, you know, as any time, you know, when you're successful graduating those players, it does at some point go into a downturn and you got to restart replenishing that, 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 that group again. Right. And I think right. that's where the Bakersfield, situation is at the moment where you know you have With those young players like Burgo and you know Benson well particularly Burgo and Lavoie um Carter Savoy you know yeah. young Phil Kemp is you know a younger defenseman mm-hmm. Marcus Niemelainen still needs a little bit more time and you know those are the kind of guys that I'm sort of looking at and just wondering you know like they have to go through their growing pains and do they have enough veterans around them and what are your thoughts on the coaching staff of like of Colin and Josh Green and, and Keith uh, McCambridge of like helping those guys get through those those like ups and downs that happens and especially in your first you know season and two seasons in the American League? Yeah, so you know I'm really familiar, for example, with uh, Keith McCambridge from our you know time you know covering him in, in Manitoba and then in Hartford and um, great great um, defensive coach uh, works well with the young players. Uh, um, you know, so I look at, you know, like a Michael Kesselring, for example, you know, right. like he's been a really nice success story there. Right. You know, like a player that uh, came in, right. Like a Citron pick, you're not really sure, you know, what you have there played two years at Northeastern. Yeah. You might uh, get came a, in that a... pandemic year and, you know, just sort of got his feet wet. Even last year was some of that as well, because the HL between the pandemic year and last year were markedly different. Um, you know, the HL was not, it's, typical standard during that pandemic year for obvious reasons this year though, was really taking off uh you know has a great shot and is also willing to use it. i think that's the biggest thing you know 10 goals in 34 games now as a defenseman is impressive uh, tied for the you know lead lead among you know defensemen so you know a nice success story that's where you know 
the farm system can really start to, you know, hit some home runs where um, you get those late round picks, right? You can turn them into an NHL player or at least a high end AHL player. Cause I think, like you said, you want that, that push, right. And so even if a player necessarily isn't necessarily going to be a, a breakthrough NHL player, the more talent you have with your HL farm team, sort of like the rising tide lifts all ships there. Yeah. Right? Well, a hundred percent. So if you have a strong defenseman, uh, you know, AHL level defenseman, but then, you know, like, you know, down the road when you're bringing in, you know, first round pick or second round pick, they have someone to play with, right? Like that's, I find where a lot of farm systems get into trouble is yeah, they, don't have, well, then they don't have anyone to put them with insulators. The yeah. And so as a result, you know, they're, they're, you know, get your first round pick and he's playing with guys that just can't keep up and everything gets thrown off kilter. So I think um, that's where, you know, we've seen like, for example, the Toronto Marlies do that really well where they just, you know, they, everybody gets better throughout the system and you, you get everyone to kind of meet their potential. And, you know, maybe a, maybe a ceiling for a player is only an AHL player, but uh, if you can get a player up, you know, coach them up to that level, um, it's just better for everyone all around. And then, it, you know, that just gives your, 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 your actual legitimate high end prospects that much more potential. So I think, you know, like a cash range has been a, a great story. And I think, you know, we'll see where it goes, but, um, it's really, really impressive, I think, to, to you know, sit around pick and have him really, you know, having a breakthrough season. And I won't be surprised to see him get a shot at it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Patrick, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, this has been another episode of Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Hockey Prospect League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game to another level. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast network or on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at HB Radio and at HockeyProspectRadio.com. Thank you to all our guests. I'm Shane Malloy. And for Brad Allen, we will see you at the rink. Instat Hockey offers the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by leagues, teams, coaches, and scouts at every level of the game. There is no better choice than Instat to help in the areas of evaluation, development, and exposure for your brand. Their unmatched database saves coaches and scouts hours of time as individual player shifts and stats are pre-cut into separate playlists. Also, the option to edit, share, or download your own clips using Instat stats video editing tools visit instatsport.com slash hockey today for more information instat the institute of statistics the junior prospect hockey league is western canada's newest elite developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level the jphl features professional coaches and skill development coaches along with comprehensive practice game and academic schedule allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs to learn more and see why the jphl is the ideal choice for your student athlete and family visit junior prospects hockey league.com
Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.